friends. Welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm the host for today's podcast. My co-host is Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a, a busy month. We've had small business lunch a week ago. We were in the middle of a, a boot camp. Uh, a lot of stuff going on at Small Business Matters, and most of which you're you're intimately aware of. Mm-hmm. But uh, today I'm really excited about our, our guest, Alex Munoz. Uh, Alex is the he's the principal and owner of CSR Expertise in Results. He has over 25 years of experience driving organizational change through strategic planning and execution. I've had the opportunity of getting to know Alex over the last six months, and I've really been impressed with um, his intelligence and the strategy that he executes and the clients that he works with. Taylor, uh, Alex is a graduate from Georgia Tech right here in Atlanta, bachelor's degree in management, master's degree in information systems from George Washington University. He started off with a 15-year career in manufacturing, health information management, financial services, a little bit of banking, and then he started his own firm. He's also very active in the Atlanta community here. He's a mentor in the Georgia Tech uh, Mentor Jackets Program, President Emeritus of the Georgia Tech In-Town Alumni Network. He's also a trustee of the Georgia Tech Alumni Association. The list goes on and on. So, uh, Alex, welcome. Welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. It's great to have you with us. And, Alex, we always start off with the same question uh, with our guests, and that is, what is it that you do that matters to small business? Great question. Gosh, I guess the best way for me to answer that is the fact that a lot of people get into their careers, into their businesses with a very kind of general idea of, I want to go in and do X. If they're a lawyer, they want to practice law. If they're a doctor, they want to heal patients, et cetera. And over time, they kind of get away from that. They get distracted by the fact that they're probably very good at what they do and their business grows. And they keep trying to run it the same way that they always ran it. And very quickly, what turns out to be something that was supposed to be a life dream becomes kind of a life nightmare. So what we do is we go in, we engage with the client, understand what their first primary goal was of why they wanted to get into the business to begin with, and then basically help them craft a plan that shows how they can get to that original goal as well as their future goal. And if they're so inclined, we'll actually link up arms with them and drive that implementation so that they get there. So, Alex, tell our listeners a little bit about how you got to this point in your career. You know, last month made 18 years that I started this business back in 2002. Congratulations. It was just after the big Y2K scare and, you know, gosh, what's going to happen? And I was in my mid-30s at that point. I just turned 55 last, last Sunday. And um, I was trying to figure out what the best way for me to be able to really 
leverage and utilize the gifts that God had given me. And my wife, who's also my business partner, said, why don't you leave corporate America and just start doing what you've always been doing, but do it for the small business guy, the ones that really can't afford using the the big consultancies, the KPMGs and and uh, the North Highlands and big folks that require a lot of, a big price tag to be able to get some some help. So that's what I did, and over time, the service offering has kind of morphed. Uh, we've been able to really hone in on our ideal client profile. We figured out what kind of service is truly help and, and, and what's just kind of a nice to have. And so what I've tried to do is apply those learnings uh, in the work that we do with our clients as well so they don't have to go through all of the hassles that I've gone through. Alex, I, I know in talking to you that you've had really, in some cases, amazing success working with, with these companies, helping them uh, with their strategy and inevitably helping them with their growth. Talk a little bit about that. What are some of the keys in your mind? What are some of the keys for small businesses to achieve the type of growth that, that you've been able to help companies uh, achieve? What are some of the keys to that? Tim, I think that what's at the heart of everything is knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Anybody can go to law school or med school or be a professional engineer, architect, fill in the blank. We kind of target professional service providers. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of rattling off those professions. But truly, you can be a master plumber. You can be anything that you really want to do. But if you're not clear on your purpose, and I, I call it purpose so that I don't fall into the kind of tired uh, mission, vision values that a lot of consultants kind of paired out. But it really gets down to that. It's why are you doing what you're doing? What's your service offering? What is it that you're going to be able to do for somebody that's going to materially change the trajectory of their personal and professional career? When I find people that are open to that kind of an approach, boy, it it not only makes a difference for them, for us, my team and I, it's also really personal, personally fulfilling, and it's a key to really unlocking that growth. I mean, we've had clients that have been able to double their sales in a year. We just worked with a dermatology practice that grew 50% over two years, from a little over $7 million to um, a little over $11 million in two years. And that's because they really got who they are, as well as who they're not, what services they want to offer, what they don't want to uh, offer, and then, you know, obviously, most importantly, who do they want to hire and who do they want to bring aboard? Because if you're using that same filter of, of, of that, that statement of purpose, of that definition of who you are, if you're really using that the right way on all big decisions, you're going to be in a position where you're making the right decisions almost by by autopilot. I know that sounds weird and, and possibly even a little wrong. You shouldn't make decisions on autopilot, but you're structuring yourself and you're putting into place the right criteria. So you're coming across the right decisions. You're coming across the right people and, and you're enabled to be able to do the right thing a lot easier. Alex, as a follow-up to that, I'm, I'm sure we've got some 
of our listeners thinking as a small business owner, I, I should be able to do that uh, by myself. Why do I need a third party? Why do I need uh, an advisor to come in and, and help me with this planning and, and growth? So what is it that you bring to the, to the experience as an outsider that facilitates the success that you've had? Why do I need to hire an outsider for this? Well, there's a couple ways to look at that. The, the, the first and perhaps a little flip way is um, I recently, about six months ago, realized that I needed help myself. And so I went to find a small uh, business uh, expert that can help me look outside of myself and give me uh, coaching and, and advice. Would you happen to know who that person is, Tim, by any chance? Must be um, very courageous. <laughs> right, right, right. So, Tim, your your counsel to us has been invaluable. And, Thank you. And, you know, in, in the same way, uh, in fact, we even wrote a blog post about this uh, a, a couple of years ago, which I'm, I'm happy to forward to any sure. of your listeners um, if they're so inclined. Um, and it's based on there's a movie that Russell Crowe uh, did a, a couple of years ago, and it was called Master and Commander. And to make a very long story short, he's basically the captain of this of this ship, probably 1700s or 1800s. And the ship's doctor uh, at some point in the movie gets shot. And there's no one on board except for him that knows how to do uh, the surgery required to remove the bullet. And so there's a scene in the movie where he's propped up in a bed. They're holding a mirror and he's basically operating on himself. And of course, he's getting a lot of booze so that he can get through the the operation on himself. Um, That's one of the reasons I tell people, you know, it's really hard to do these things to yourself. It's really hard to hold yourself accountable. It's really hard to, to advise yourself that, you know, you really need to take, you know, this difficult step and, you know, either discipline or, or terminate that, that valuable employee, but that just isn't going to make it anymore or, or that, that client that you've had for, for years, et cetera. And so I find that, when we have clients that are willing to do that and that are willing to take that external counsel, it makes all the difference in the world. Alex, taking a step back to your bio for one second, it's not atypical that our guests on the Small Business Matters podcast have a unique bio or a diverse background, uh, but but you certainly have quite the uh, the path in terms of manufacturing. Um, information systems and technology, banking. Uh, I'm curious, uh, how did you uh, how did you go from those different those different areas, and, and how have they strengthened your practice today? It, it is different. I worked through college. Um, I did my undergrad at Tech, and I worked for my dad, who had started a chemical fertilizer company. Um, just probably within a half a mile of campus. So it was very, very convenient to be able to work, um, hop in my car, drive to campus, take a class, and then come back to work. What I learned was that upon graduation, I got approached by Citibank to join their management associate program. And, you know, I was a little, I was a little nervous going from dealing with tons of chemical fertilizer and dealing with uh, a laboratory where we'd go in and, and do the, the samples and seeing 
what the different composition of the different elements were, et cetera, into going into dealing with my management associate program was based in the credit card division, dealing with dollars and, and call centers and people management, et cetera. What I found very quickly was that I was able to translate the concepts and the practices that I used in that manufacturing setting into the financial services setting. I was able to, because within banking, I went from credit cards, uh, credit risk management, uh, to installment lending, to general consumer banking uh, uh, subspecialties like mortgages, home equity loans, non-secured lending. It was something that translated across all of those things and is, is what encouraged me to go into grad school to, to, to really study information systems. And I, and I learned that if you look pretty much across the board, almost everything is a system. They have their inputs, they have their transformations, and they have their outputs. And when you look at things that way, it's very easy to then not get overwhelmed by, oh, wait a minute, how can I go from credit card accounts to uh, dealing with health information management and medical record coding and charts. How can I go from that to uh, one of the first businesses that 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 uh, I focused on when I started my own business was I partnered up with a gentleman and we, uh, believe it or not, started a uh, Mexican tamale making business. <laughs> I love and, it. It, it, it was great. I, I didn't know what a tamale was because my parents are Cuban, but he did. And so what what I what we got done in, in the first ninety days, and my focus was he he was going to work on the the cooking part and managing the the staff on board. I was going to do everything else. Within ninety days, we got the product into Kroger and Whole Foods. I secured a USDA certified meat handling facility. We got all of our pro our products into uh, a vacuum uh, packed uh, uh, technology that allowed us to not only sell them fresh but also uh, frozen for the the big companies. Uh, we were able to get all of our UPC codes, our name it and claim it. We were up and running in ninety days. I mean, tell me how different creating a food product is from any of that other past experience and. I've been able to adapt that same type of methodology going forward as well. I was involved with a cord blood registry, uh, uh, working with uh, an organization that bought uh, $1.6 billion in charged off credit card assets and basically building an entire business around that, that portfolio, getting involved with a company that was doing uh, uh, transcribed uh, medical records and growing them from 18 million to 130 million. And it was a publicly traded company that ultimately then sold for 300 million. I, I have to tell you, I, I would depend on the experts who knew the subject matter and then build all of that business and systems infrastructure around it. And it's just a really winning combination. Yeah. Very cool. And that's a great, uh, great story. And, um, it kind of puts it all in perspective. So thank you for that. Uh, shifting gears a little bit here, what is maybe, we, talk, we like to talk about mistakes uh, often on this podcast. 
from a mistakes perspective, what's maybe one of the best mistakes you ever made? And on the flip side, maybe one of the worst. Hmm. Good question. You know, uh, I'm going to possibly by being efficient, kind of answer that question, both questions with one example. Sure. And I say that it's both the best and the worst in that it's a great story. So maybe that's, you know, how to answer that. But also, it really taught me a lesson. And this was uh, a client of ours that was, uh, as most of our clients are, referred to me by an existing client. He owned a business where you could bring a, um, his specialty was on Land Rovers and Toyota, uh, gosh, it's the big Toyota ones. I forget what they're called. Mm -hmm. But um, you could bring that, your beat up Land Rover uh, to him. Or, as would happen in many cases, somebody may have parked it in the yard, and in one case, they actually had a tree growing out of the middle of it. It had been there so long. He would take these decrepit, rotting carcasses of cars, and he had a real gift for transforming them and making them better than they were when they were new. And he was kind of quirky, though. And he would want to do things his way, and uh, I would periodically have to sit down and remind him, and this was an early client. This is probably 2011, 2012, maybe eight or nine years ago. And give him pep talks and remind him why he was doing what he was doing, et cetera. Well, one day we were supposed to have a meeting and he didn't show, which, again, he's kind of quirky, so annoying, but not necessarily uh, the end of the world. Uh, reached out to him to, to reschedule the meeting, nothing. Uh, called him, was starting to get worried at this point. And finally, I reached out to his wife. Well, our client was in jail. Hmm. And um, he had done whatever he'd done, uh, but um, his wife was worried about what was going to happen, how she was going to get him out, et cetera, et cetera. To make a long story, not as long, I ended up getting involved while at the same time trying to get him a lawyer and figure out how to get him out of jail. I basically stepped in and ran his company for two or three weeks, uh, making sure that all of those vehicles were moving forward, implementing project plans, which is something that they'd never really done before, and just basically running that business. Uh, we got him out of jail. He was grateful, but really did learn a lot and really started exhibiting the same kind of behaviors. What was the mistake and what, what was the lesson that I learned out of this that I can't care more about my client's business than they do. Hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, one of our core values, we have four core values. One of our core values is caring. And caring is not the first item. It's not the first one listed in, in the order of the four. It's the third one. It's very important, but reflecting this, this anecdote, um, it can't be the first thing. It can't be something that puts us in a situation where we end up caring more about the business than the client does, or else we have a situation like this uh, occur again. Alex, maybe as a follow-up to that, in working with clients, you've had a number of successful uh, engagements. Has there ever been a, an engagement that was not so successful? 
and and maybe what caused that? What would not be a good opportunity for you? There's a there's a couple of those. Um, thankfully, we we keep recycling again using the systems methodology, right? We keep recycling and understanding when something hasn't gone as well as it could. Why? So that we can then tweak our own statement of purpose, our own mission, vision, and values, and, and kind of screen out that in, in a future one. What comes to mind, Tim, is we had a, um, a client, and that client liked some of the things that we were doing, didn't like others of them that were going to ensure that they remained on the right side of the law. This was a problem with, um, they were a grocery distributor and uh, they wanted to be able to treat their employees, many of them which were um, either legal documented aliens and as we later discovered, some were illegally documented uh, aliens. So they liked a lot of the work that we were doing. They didn't like that we wanted to have them be 100% legal. And that kind of picking and choosing of what it is that we had to offer and what help they were going to pay attention to and what help they weren't going to pay attention to, that really opened my eyes that I needed to have a more rigorous due diligence on the front end. And I had to be willing to walk away from business if I saw that they weren't gonna be on the straight and narrow. Because um, though we weren't at, at risk legally, ethically, I just I have a real problem with someone who's, who's doing things that are, that are in a either uh, outright or illegal state or in a gray area that doesn't fit with my own values. Alex, kind of going off on that, it doesn't have to be related to that story, but just in general, what is one piece of advice that you regularly give to small business owners? Boy, you know, I give them a lot. Cause I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I'm not someone who says, Oh, well, you know, your first meeting is, is going to be this. I like to give them um, a good sense of what the, what the landscape is. But mm-hmm. I would have to say that, it really circles back to that that grounding, that that definition of who and what they are, because that really is the linchpin of, of any business. It's it's why you should be willing to get up in the morning. It's why you should be willing to work all of these crazy hours that as an entrepreneur and as a small business owner, you're willing to do. If you don't have that straight in your head, boy things are just going to be a lot harder than they need to be. So getting that clear, making sure that your family is on board because every business is a, is a family business, whether they're actively involved in your business or not. When you come home, they're going to, they're going to be dealing with you and, and you're going to have another constituency that you, you know, really understanding why you're doing it, really having the, the, something aspirational as to why you should why you should be driven in it. I think that's really important, Taylor. Mm-hmm. And and Alex, maybe the corollary to that, I remember hearing someone say years ago, uh, he said, there are no business problems. There are only personal problems that show up in one's business. And I'm, I always, always remember that. 
Um, I, I want to take another step on your, your response to that last question, Alex. We're in the middle of a, a crisis now, the coronavirus, and you're working with business owners day in, day out. I'm curious, what is it? What are you seeing? What are you hearing from your clients in the midst of this crisis? Uh, how are they responding to it? And specifically, what are you what are you recommending to them in terms of working their way through this crisis? You know, fear is a powerful motivator, but it can also be something that causes you to get paralyzed. So with our clients, initially, it was talking a lot of folks off of the ledge. It was it was helping them understand, particularly since, you know, we've been involved with them for a while, reminding them of how solid their business was how they were generating value for their clients and and really kind of getting grounding. You know, it's like when you're in a, a body of water, how different you feel when you're able to put your feet on solid ground versus feeling like you're you're having a doggy paddle and wondering, oh my God, what happens is if I get tired, I'm gonna drown. Well, you know, lower your feet, you're on solid ground, it's okay. With that in place, then it was just you know, really focusing on communication, communicating internally with, with their teams, and then reaching out to their clients and doing a version of what I've done with them, having them do that with their clients as well. There's a big chunk of, of America that was affected, but there's a lot of America that still is moving forward and still has to get things done. So, for example, I have a, a PR agency as a client, we've been working with them probably nine or 10 years now. And she was freaked out. She had, you know, some, some clients that had, uh, uh turned in notice. Uh, she didn't know what she was going to do to, to replace them, etc. I reminded her, Hey, look, we've been working on your pipeline. Um, you need to pivot and start filling your pipeline in with people that are going to be particularly well suited and are going to need your valuable service to be able to get their message out and help people with, with this pandemic. Well, April ended up being one of the best months that she's ever had in the history of her business. Mm. She's not only, you know, fulfilling her budgetary numbers, but she's probably going to have, if not the best year, one of the best years that she's had in the 10 years that we've been working together. And it's not magic. I mean, it truly isn't magic. It's just clearing your head, focusing, and then having somebody hold you accountable and be that partner with you to, to point out the obvious things. That's a great answer to a lot of small businesses in, in, a, in a tough time right now. So Alex, we've gotten to my favorite part of the podcast. It's the rapid fire questions. Taylor's going to ask quick questions. You're going to give him quick answers, and I'm going to referee. <laughs> okay. All right. Taylor, go ahead. All right, Alex. This is one we've been asking a lot of our podcast guests lately. Is given the uh, coronavirus situation and shelter in place, what is something you've been binge watching on TV? There's a program on Netflix, and of course I'm going to forget um, the name of it now, but it's one that has Kiefer Sutherland in it, and he's the pres he's a designated survivor. That's yep, the name. There you go. Designated survivor. Yeah. He has to start up the entire government up from scratch again. So there's a lot of uh, important points to pull out of that. 
That's one of my favorites. Good answer. Second question is rumor has it that you're very involved in Georgia Tech, the university, athletics. I'm curious, what is maybe your favorite Georgia Tech tradition? You know, I played rugby a lot, not while I was at Tech, it was after Tech, but um, I have played subsequently with those guys. And there's a lot of really interesting, probably uh, maybe PG-13 traditions that come out of Georgia Tech and rugby kind of combining <laughs> together that, uh, that, are, that are fun to, to think about and talk about, probably for another podcast, though. Okay, good. We'll, we'll do the, uh, the Off the Grid podcast next, and we can, we right, can get to that right, answer. Right. As, you, as you, you probably know, Small Business Matters actually started in South Florida. And so uh, my dad and I are quite familiar with uh, Cuban food and cuisine. Uh, I'm curious, from your point of view, what is your favorite uh, Cuban dish? That's an easy one because I just had it this past weekend for my birthday. So there's something called picadillo. And picadillo is uh, ground beef that's in a sauce and it has like little olives in it and you can put all sorts of different other items in it and they typically take that and they put it over white rice mm. and um then you can pair it either with green plantains which are called tostones or you can pair them with ripe plantains which are called maduros and i like them both um there's there used to be a restaurant in miami called lilas and you would go there and they would take whatever dish you order and they would bury it under a mountain of french fries and that's something that i i like to do with my picadillo as well i know start with the rice start with the potato but you know it's your birthday so you can do what you want so that's you know that's my favorite my mouth is watering just thinking of it growing up in miami and going to lila's before and having that that dish with the fries stacked up about six on six inches off the plate when you my, had that, Tim? I didn't yeah. know that. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. great. It's it's really memorable, you know? Yeah. Well, Alex, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, one thing we like to advocate for at Small Business Matters is taking time away from work and reflecting and recharging your batteries. What's one activity you do to kind of uh, recharge yourself? I'm big on family meals. And um, I'm lucky enough that... Um, I have five kids and uh, four of them live in town. The the fifth uh, just started a management rotation at 3M and um, he's uh, up in Wisconsin. But mm -hmm. next month they're moving him for year two of his rotation to Decatur, Alabama. So hopefully he'll be in, in, in driving distance. But um, one of my kids is married. She is, uh, she has a, a daughter. So we have our first grandchild and, you know, several of the children have, uh, have boyfriends or girlfriends. And, uh, for me being able to have everybody around the dinner table is, and with our culture, you know, we do something called sobremesa, which is after the meal is over, you know, you're there and you're, you're just, you're talking, you're interacting. And so a lot of, a lot of family life is, is conducted over the, 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 the family table. Beyond that, we love to travel and, and going to going to Spain, which is where, you know, our, our roots are, is something that we that we've done a lot. But, you know, obviously it won't happen for a while, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Taylor, I'm, I'm giving I'm giving the edge to Alex on this one. Well done. <laughs> OK, 
So, uh, Taylor, I've got a number of great takeaways from our discussion with Alex, the, the importance for small business owners to ask for help, to get a third party to come in and, and help them, the importance of focusing on strengths, focusing you know, on, on what you do best. Uh, I thought Alex talked eloquently about how important it is for small business owners to know their purpose, know their why uh, for, for their business. And also the idea of, you know, as an advisor, when do you walk away from a client? When do you say no uh, to a client? And he also talked about, in, in terms of the crisis, the importance for small businesses uh, to be willing to pivot, to make changes, to call an audible, to go in a different direction. I thought all of those were excellent ways. How about for yourself? I think my favorite takeaway is just the the core value that Alex spoke to about caring and, and being invested in the business and remembering why you're in it in the first place. So, Alex, thank you very much for being with us today. Great takeaways for our listeners. I know that some of our listeners are going to want to reach out to you. What's the easiest way for them to contact you? Easiest and fastest way to reach out is over email. Alex at expertiseinresults.com. Um, I don't know if you'll be putting it uh, written, Tim, but it's Alex, A-L-E-X, at E-X-P-E-R-T-I-S-E-I-N-R-E-S-U-L-T-S.com. They can also call us. Um, my cell is 404-273-5899. So I want to encourage our guests that if, if, if you need help, in strategic planning, need help getting some guidance on moving your business to the next level, would highly recommend that you reach out to Alex. Or if you've just got a question about your business that you think Alex can help address, I would encourage our listeners to reach out to, to Alex. So Taylor, another podcast under our belt. I mentioned earlier a lot going on at, at Small Business Matters. Uh, we get in the middle of uh, the, our Small Business Matters boot camp. Our next lunch is coming up. Our guest is going to be Chuck Russell, who is the founder of Best Work uh, Data. He's going to talk about uh, remote work and why it works for some and doesn't work for others. Uh, we also have the Small Business Matters Mastermind Group that meets every week, and uh, been, I've really enjoyed working with that group over the last couple of months. What have I left out? I think you got it. Um, I think it's important to note for most of our listeners probably already know this, but the Small Business Matters Conference has been uh, postponed to 2021. Um, but in the meantime, we're kind of picking up the slack on podcasts and lunches um, and bringing different types of content to our audience. Very good. Well, Taylor, thank you. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Small Business Matters podcast today. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.